This is Motley Fool Answers. Welcome to the show. I'm Allison Southwick, and as always, I'm joined by Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum, personal finance experts here at The Motley Fool. Hey, guys. So today we're going to talk about so-called good debt. Specifically, we're going to expose some myths about the common, most common good debt, by which we're talking loans and mortgages, student loans and mortgages. And by the end of the show, you'll be able to save yourself from bad debt in sheep's clothing. Or, might I say, bad debt in sheep's clothing. (laughs) They can't all be gems, folks. And then after that, we'll introduce you to someone who is fantastically bad with money, also known as our Money Moron of the Week, because if you can't be a good example, you can still be a horrible warning. So let's get started here. And first, let's explain a little bit about what are we talking about when we talk about good debt? So good debt traditionally has a few characteristics. Number one is is that it's at a a low interest rate. We're talking single-digit interest rates, um, low single-digit interest rates. Number two, that you're borrowing this money to pay for something that's going to appreciate in value, that's going to go up in value. So, essentially, some of the most common ones are a mortgage yep. and right. school loans. So, we're going to break down some these two. We're going to look at some of the myths as to why people think it's good debt. And also, I mean, we'll talk about how it can be good debt, but how it can also be bad debt and how to keep your good debt from going bad. So, first off, mortgages, true confession, we are all homeowners here. Yep. In fact, one of us is even amassing a real estate empire here in Old Town Alexandria, <laughs> Diana. Don't tell people. Well, so, we do think of a mortgage as typically being a good debt, but not always. Right. So, there are several myths about why a mortgage is good. There are all these benefits that are often rolled out. Sometimes by mortgage brokers, sometimes by real estate agents, and one of them sometimes is, by your friends that's who true. regret buying a home but say that you should do it as well. Right. So one are, is the tax benefits, interest on a mortgage, deductible. People look at that and say, "Hey, you've got this cost, but look at the tax savings." However, first of all, to take that deduction, you have to itemize, and actually, the majority of people don't itemize. Also, the value of that is actually not so great because everyone gets a standard deduction. Just just for being a good American, just for being you, you get a standard deduction. So, for example, married folks get a little over twelve thousand dollars. So, the real value is how much your mortgage interest deduction is beyond that. So, for example, if you have fifteen thousand dollars in uh, mortgage interest, you could have taken that twelve thousand or so automatically. So, really, the, the standard benefit, deduction, right? Standard, standard deduction. deduction. Yeah. Really, the benefit is just that $3,000. That's the additional deduction that you get. And then, as you know, for every year you pay the mortgage, it's actually more principal, less interest. So, you're not going to be able to take that as big of a deduction down the road. And it's part of the reason why, actually, most homeowners don't take the deduction. They just take the standard deduction. Mm-hmm. So, they don't even get that benefit. So, another reason um, that people often cite why it's important to buy a house is that, well, your house is going to make money. It's, it's going to appreciate in value. in value, right? Well, yeah. And and that myth, um, in recent years, we've seen is not always true. And in fact, can be the exact opposite. Sometimes you're going to lose money on your home. Remember, only if you transact, only if you're selling it at a loss. But housing historically, given all the real estate ups and downs, has not been a great investment. And um, in fact, when you factor in all the costs of home ownership, housing prices have pretty much grown only at the rate of inflation. So, we're not talking about some great 
like, I struck it rich. Uh, you know, I sold my home for millions more. That typically does not happen. And it's likely going to continue the same way. Yeah. Right. And if you sell your house too soon after buying it, even if you had some equity, it's going to get eaten up by the costs of moving. You're talking about realtor fees. You're talking about, you know, you have to put in some money to make your house look good in the curb appeal. Mm-hmm. And the inspector is going to come in and say, you got to fix this, this, and that. Those are high costs. And you're looking at whatever equity you have, it could just disappear just when you move to a new house. The average length of homeownership nowadays is about seven years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, if you move sooner than that, you really don't even have a chance to build up equity. But you think, at least I know that when I was renting, when I would write that check to someone else, I, you know, that you see, people talk about renting is throwing your money away. And I felt like I was paying the mortgage of the person who actually owned the place. Well, yeah, you were paying the mortgage of the person who owned the place. But what you weren't paying for were the maintenance costs of that, of that place. So when, for example, the hot water heater broke down or the roof started leaking or landscape upkeep, all of that, you as a renter were not paying that. Those were costs that the homeowner, your landlord, was paying. So when you're a renter, (laughs) there are a lot of costs that you should realize that you're not paying. It's not flushing money down the toilet. Thank you. And and often rent is actually lower than a mortgage. Mm -hmm. If you invest that difference, you are building up equity of a different type. And it's easier to get that equity. If you own stocks or cash or bonds, you just put in an order and you get the money back. If you have home equity, you got to get a home equity loan. You can't just sell your bathroom to raise more money. So it's easier to get a hold of that extra money. Hey, if you hey Robert, it. where's the toilet? What'd you do with that? <laughs> I put it on eBay and got some money. And then I invested that money in eBay. That's right. <laughs> so then I guess the good rule of thumb, if you are planning to buy a house to make sure that that good debt of a mortgage doesn't go bad, is that a good rule of thumb, buying a house if you're planning on living there for at least seven to 10 years. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I think so. That gives you some time to build up some equity. Um, that allows you that if you do sell later, that the transaction costs won't eat up all that equity. I'd say it's a good rule. Yeah. All right, let's go with it. All right, next one then is school loans. And talking about school loans as being good debt reminded me of a little book called Girlfriend in a Coma. And in the book, a guy Wait, is talking what? to his. Oh, sorry, the Gr- book is called Girlfriend in a Coma. Girlfriend in a Coma. Yeah, I'm not necessarily recommending <laughs> you guys read the book, but I am reminded of a couple characters in the book, and they're having this conversation. It's a very vivid title. Girlfriend in a Coma. Yeah. It's after a. Smith song Uh, of the band of the Morrissey. Anyway, moving on. on. Let me get to this quote. (laughs) So, in this book, there's these two guys and they're having a conversation. And he basically, one guy says to the other, Okay, imagine you're a 40 year old and I want you to meet Kevin. Kevin's 18 and he's going to be making all of your career decisions for you. And that's kind of what life is like. The idea that when you're 18 years old, you're making all of these huge life decisions that are going to stick with you for a lifetime, which is scary. Mm-hmm, Kevin. Right. Kevin is making all of your right. life decisions for you. And it turns out that seven out of 10 Kevins who get school loans for college end up on average with nearly 30000 in debt. And seriously, how many 18-year-olds, first of all, appreciate what it means to take on tens of thousands of dollars of debt? And you have to declare a, mortgage, a major how many 18-year-olds really know what they're going to do? In fact, the majority of people who graduate take a job that has nothing to do with their major, yet you, they borrowed a lot of money to learn about these things. Right. So we're making all of these huge decisions when we're young and dumb, 
which admittedly is a good time to make dumb decisions. But these are <laughs> not dumb decisions that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. You. Yeah, yeah thirty thousand right. dollars. So we talked about this before um, we got in here to record that you, you do need a college education, but making sure that that it is a smart investment. So one of the myths, of course, is that well, it's just blanket statement. It's a good investment to go to college. Right, like any investment, it's you have to look at the cost, what you're paying versus the payoff. So let's say you can go to a fancy Ivy League school or you can go to a local state school. If you're going to be something like a teacher, as I was, the salary is pretty much set. If you get that, that Ivy League school degree, you're not going to make much more than someone went to state U. And there are all kinds of uh, examples of this. It just doesn't make sense to pay for a high-priced education if you're going to go into a moderate income career. Well, let alone getting your undergrad, then doing graduate work, then getting your doctorate. I have, I have a darling friend who I love. She's very intelligent. She decided to get her doctorate in basically like peace and love and farming. And again, I love her. She's beautiful. I am so happy that there are people like this in the world. But she went into like debt six figures to the tune of six figures. And no, no one's paying six figures to someone who's studying peace, love, and farming, right? Um, nice gig if you can get it. Yeah. So a lot of people aren't even in school. They're in school for longer than four years even. Right. In fact, the majority of people who start as a first-time student going to a four-year school, they don't graduate in four years, five years, six years. Uh, And for every year you do that, of course, that's a higher cost. So they go in saying, well, this is how much I'm going to borrow because I'm going for four years. But they don't finish in four years, so they end up borrowing even more. Right. And another year you're out of the workforce. That's a great point. Making money to try to someday pay off that student loan. Right. right. And at the top, Diana, you were explaining kind of the idea around good debt is that it's the interest rates are relatively low, so mm-hmm. it's cheap to borrow the money, and that it's going to significantly appreciate. That investment is going to appreciate you know, significantly yeah, that, over time. Right. That, that it's an investment in your future. Investment in your future. But it's not cheap debt anymore. No. Going to school is not cheap no, anymore. No, it's actually kind of shocking. I, I was looking at this recently. Interest rates aren't all that low. The rates for uh, new federal loans range from five to seven percent, and those are federal loans. Private right. loans, private loans. Oh my god! Yeah, goodness. eight nine percent. Met a woman who had um, her loans at nine percent. She went to an Ivy League school. Uh, we were talking about: Do I pay off my credit card debt or my student loan debt? If you're making a choice here, and it starts to become a difficult decision. It used to be: Oh, of course, the credit card debt because you're paying much more on a credit card debt. At 9-10% student loan, suddenly that debt's looking pretty bad. In fact, the total value of all student loans actually exceeds the total value of our all credit card debt. More Americans have student loan than credit card debt. Robert just totally pulled that out of thin air. That was awesome. Oh, I knew that already. Yeah, no, no, no actually, I, meant, I, meant, I meant you remembered that yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, you're I've not making it up. This. No, yeah. in fact, I've written an article that student loans are immoral. I mean, I think it's it's ridiculous that schools take these kids who don't appreciate this but tell them you got to have a degree and let them borrow all this money for degrees that just they're not going to pay off mm-hmm. and also full disclosure we did all go to college yeah <laughs> so we did we're but, not saying college is bad but, but who here had had uh, student loan debt i mean i was super lucky i went to in-state university got a journalism degree ended up being a good journalism school and my dad was a professor there and we got super cheap tuition so I've never had to deal with that. And 
that simply that not having student loan debt has made the hugest difference in my finances as right? an adult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's my situation. That. I went to a school of scholarships. I did work study every year and I was an RA one year and that's free room and board. And that's that's one of the, the ways to solve this problem. There are different ways that either you can help pay for the school or you just go to a school where it's a more reasonable price. And there are all kinds of ways to do that. You go to community college for a little bit um, to take care of some of your credits. You maybe even graduate the earlier. The PE credits that you have to get. You know, 39, <laughs> 39% of schools require some sort of PE thing. But thankfully, the University of Chicago is, after 60 years, they do not require you to pass a swim test to graduate. Wow. And you have still... to pass a snow shoveling test. Right. But... And if you fail it, you have to take a one credit course that doesn't apply to your diploma. Could you imagine? Yeah. Well, thankfully, they ended that. Yes. So then, Robert, what's the good rule of thumb here to keep your good debt from going bad when it comes to student loans? Well, of course, hopefully you don't have to take debt. But if you do, and a lot of people do, and I understand that, try to keep the level of debt to about equal or less of what you think you'll make in that first year once you graduate. So if you're going to be going into a career that pays you $25,000, try not to have debt that exceeds that amount. All right. Rules to live by. If you feel like maybe you're not so great with money, don't worry. Someone out there is making even worse decisions. And Robert Brokamp is going to introduce us to our Money Moron of the Week. It is the undisputed world welterweight champion, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, here's the good stuff. He's never lost a fight. He's the um, first athlete after Tiger Woods to make $100 million in a year. Forbes estimates that he has. He's worth about $420 million a year. So you think, hey, that's pretty good. But it's not what you make. It's what you spend. And here's some examples of some of the things that he's done that might be at least slightly moronic. Uh, according to USA Today, for example, he bought 88 cars from one dealership in Las Vegas. So that's just one dealership. Um, Does he keep them parked there? He has. Uh, right. From what I understand, he actually has two houses, and he keeps all the white cars at one house and all the black cars at another. 88 cars. There are only 365 days of the year, and he's got 88 cars, at least from only one dealership. Right, and 14 of those were Rolls Royces, so we're not talking about cheap cars either. No, no, no. we are not. <laughs> right. So, uh, Jeeves, pull around the Mazda. <laughs> right. So, relatedly, um, another thing that he's done is he borrowed a whole bunch of money from J.P. Morgan, uh, $528,000 to buy a car. Even though he ha he's worth a hundred and bajillion million dollars, right? And he paid sixteen percent interest rate on that loan, <laughs> but then he got sued by J.P. Morgan because he he wasn't paying his payments. So, oh, okay. Well, actually, do you know what? That they were super smart because he was a higher credit risk. <laughs> turns <laughs> and, out, yeah. It turns out that that was. And true. now he's got to pay the penalty That's rate right. of twenty four percent. That's that. right. Uh, he wears underwear just once, one pair. Same with shoes. He just wears one pair of shoes, and then he's done with all of them. Um, apparently, with the shoes, if he's at a hotel, he leaves them behind for the staff to Isn't keep. Isn't that sweet? I don't know what they do with them. I don't know if he does that with the underwear. Let's check eBay. <laughs> Floyd Mary Mayweather cast. It sounds like it's a glut in the market. <laughs> Might not be worth a lot. Um, he has an interesting type of bank for some of his money, and that is a duffel bag. He always carries around with him a million dollars in cash. Um, 
obviously that's not FDIC insured. Um, right. You saw a picture of, of yeah. One. I saw a picture of him making a deposit at a bank of I don't know what it was. I think it was one hundred twenty-three million dollars yeah. or something like that in in cash uh, piled up. Can at you the imagine teller, the teller, the teller oh station? Just, I'm sorry, sir. You're gonna have to wait while we count this. <laughs> Right? Right. So he just carries it around in a duffel. Well, actually, I assume he does not carry it around. Right. I imagine he has a guy that carries it around. Well, it's more of a guy. It's an entourage, and it's called the money team. Oh. But oh, they have logo wear, right? They do. They, <laughs> they do. They yeah, they got hats and jackets. So they basically advertise that they are carrying $1 million. Yes. <laughs> exactly. If you we're, exactly. We're the ones, uh, any duffel bag we're carrying, you have the chance to strike it rich. Right. Uh, but he does have bodyguards, just in case you were deciding to go See, after the smart. duffel bag. Yeah. You could switch it, maybe. Have bricks in one or something. But he has, wherever he travels, uh, he has two private jets going with him. One for him and one for his... His money? The money team and the bodyguards, <laughs> because he doesn't want too much weight in his jet. So he has so fuel, two jets. So fuel efficiency there. Uh, That's right. Well, if anything, he's helping stimulate the economy and creating jobs. So <laughs> right. thank you for that. So all this, of course, uh, will probably bring to mind Mike Tyson. Another guy, he made $300 million over his career, ended up bankrupt and in jail, just like Floyd Mayweather. Um, so um, hopefully Floyd will look at Mike as an example and decide to change his financial ways before he goes bankrupt. Mike or any number of sports figures. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Right. So they're notoriously bad. Notoriously bad with it. money. They're, yeah, these kids who who make a ton of money at the beginning of their career and right? just, you know, blow it. It's Kevin again, that 18-year-old. So yeah. there's the 18-year-old, and you're going nice, to give him nice. a full million money. Yeah, right. It did come full circle, <laughs> if I could actually speak English here. Right. Well, Robert, thank you for this week's Money Moron of the Week. And thanks to you, our listeners. That's going to do it for today. This has been Motley Fool Answers for Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum. I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. Fool on.